Welcome. It is a new week and we are back for our Tuesday Power Up session right here on TDN Radio. You are now locked in to Untapped Potential and I am your host, Dr. Simone, coming to you from McDonough, Georgia, where it is a warm and sunny, beautiful day, probably about 75 degrees outside. So today we are grateful for another beautiful day. We are grateful for life and we are grateful to have each other's company. So we have another wonderful program lined up for you this evening. This month, as many of you may be aware, is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we want to spend some time talking about the importance of preserving our mental health, the importance of maintaining a healthy mental health. So our guest today is going to be Dr. Gilda Nasty Town and she joined us out of Dominica a couple of weeks ago to do a Facebook live where we should have been talking about the update on COVID-19 in Dominica and all the great work that she and other members of her team did to ensure that COVID-19 did not run rampant in Dominica and as a matter of fact no one Uh, thank God, died from COVID-19 in Dominica. But at the beginning of the conversation, we had this great discussion on the need for more mental health work to be done in Dominica. So I will share the first part of our discussion with you today. And we spent so much time talking and enjoying our conversation that I will have to present to you the second part of our conversation next week. So again, keep in mind that we tape our interviews via Facebook Live. So what you will be hearing is the first portion of the Facebook Live interview I did with Dr. Gilda Nasty Town. And then next week, I will bring you the second portion of our interview. So I'm looking forward to being here with you today. As we do every Tuesday, we stop by to get powered up for yet another week together. And we take that much needed mental break from everything that is going on in the world around us. So welcome to the program again. If this is your first time tuning in, we want to say a very special welcome to you. I hope that you heard about the program and you decided to check it out and you will make a note to join us each and every Tuesday right here on TDN Radio for Untapped Potential. So again, we have another great program for you. And speaking about our great and gratitude and things to be grateful for, I also had a recent conversation with Mr. Colton T. He is a rising reggae star out of Dominica. And today, well, actually yesterday, Monday, he released his second album, an album entitled Talisman, T-A-L-I-S, Man, M-A-N. And I would like to feature here today one of the new songs of that uh, album called Phase. So again, Mr. Colton T, the song entitled Phase. And of course, we encourage you to support him by purchasing his album. And if you're interested in doing so, it is now available on iTunes, Spotify, as well as Amazon. So you can go to those three locations and simply look up his name, Colton T, C-O-L-T-O-N, 
and then his the initial of his last name T Colton T and the name of the album is Talisman T A L I S M A N so again the locations to find this his music are iTunes Spotify and Amazon so let's continue to support each other let's continue to purchase each other's music purchase each other's artwork purchase each other's you know books and whatever else we have on the markets to simply show our support for each other so enjoy this number from Mr. Colton T a song entitled phase as we welcome Dr. Gilda Nesty Town to the program. Self is light. Don't dwell on the past. Tell yourself that the future will be bright. From your half life, you possess the energy for fight. Yeah. My struggles they more temporary. My trouble days could never face me. They could never face me though. Yeah. They could never face me though My troubled days, they are temporary My struggles, they could never face me They could never face me though They could never face me though Doc, how are you? I am good, Simone. I am good. It is so good to see you. And thank you so much for having me. Yes. And you know, all my guests are very special to, to me and to the program. But our guest this evening is especially special to me because mm. we've been friends for over 30 years. We're not trying to age ourselves, Gilda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But yeah, it's yeah. been over 30 years <laughs> of friendship. So oh it's God. truly... It's been, it's truly a cherished friendship. So how is Dominica? Dominica is great. Just to go back to the friendship thing, through thick and thin. Yes. I mean, we were in preparatory school together, high school. Were we in prep together? Well, high school for high sure. High school. 
college, university, mm -hmm. and somehow we managed to keep in touch, which is really yes, great. Which so. is wonderful. And I'm so mm -hmm. proud of all the work that you're doing in Dominica and the way that you're raising your family. I mean, you got a household full of boys. So. I do. I do. I do. I have my army. Definitely. I feel very protected. Yes. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. So, um, so let's get to know our guest a little bit better and let me go ahead and introduce who she is and then we can get into a conversation of why she's joining us here uh, this evening. So Dr. Nesty is a general medical practitioner who has been practicing many, uh, medicine for many years. She is currently based in primary healthcare and does private office hours at Halsborough Medical Center on the weekends. She graduated with her Bachelor of Science degree in chemistry from Midwestern State University in, we won't say the year, that's not dated. She <laughs> continued on and graduated with a master's degree in biology from the University of North Texas. She started medical school attending Ross University School of Medicine. Upon graduating, Upon graduating from medical school, she taught at Ross for one year and All Saints University for several years. Dr. Nasty is a wife, a mother of three energetic and handsome boys, and I will attest to that. Uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Nasty has been quite instrumental in the success, successful successful control and management of our current COVID-19 pandemic. For six months, she acted in the management role as the director of primary health care. She served as a member of the Border Task Force Committee and the Technical Committee Integral in the decision making and the management of the pandemic. As acting director of primary health care, she also managed seven health districts while attaining her certificate from PAHO in public health leadership in December of 2020. She received an International Women's Day Recognition Award on March 8, 2021 from the Ministry of Youth Development and Empowerment, Youth at Risk Gender Affairs, Seniors, Security and Dominicans with Disability. So Dr. Nesty, thank you for being here again. It is thank wonderful you. having you on the program. And as we can see, we have quite an audience who has joined us. We have Glenda, Mary, Shari, Agnes. So we want to welcome everyone who is joining us today. So just kind of tell us a little bit more about you. Um, well, I think to be honest, uh, Simone, you've kind of hit it on the head. I am... Um, your friend first and foremost gilda as you've known me all our lives and um you know as we've matured and gotten older we've become wives we've become mothers we've become professionals um just like you just like you indicated earlier um well i graduated with my bachelor's and my master's and also with my medical school degree and um, I work in primary health care and, and I love it. I love clinical work. I am a clinician. Um, that's, that is my passion, clinical work. And um, at one point, I was basically taken from clinical work and uh, thrust into a management position. And that is where it all began. Mm -hmm. So um, my introduction from you was quite detailed. I think it encompassed everything. Mm -hmm. I, there's very little more that I... I believe is necessary to share. Um, so if, if you don't mind, we can actually just delve right into the- Absolutely, into the yes, absolutely. Thank you for that. And you yeah. know, we're especially looking forward to hearing about your experience with the, with the COVID-19 pandemic. But before we go there, just kind of tell us about your experiences in general, some obstacles you may have faced along the way in terms of your education, beginning your career. So kind of just walk us through a little bit more about your background. And then of course, we would like to talk about the very instrumental work that you did with regards to COVID-19 in Dominica? Well, um, I think right now I've actually reached a stage in my life where I'm comfortable talking about um, what I considered my greatest uh, challenge or obstacle, like you say, um, with um, my academic career. And um, 
at the time, I guess I did not understand it. I didn't really know it, but, um, you know, I, 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 I did suffer from, uh, <laughs> there's so many stigmas attached, but I, I'm actually not afraid to say that I did suffer from, a, a from anxiety disorder. Oh. So that was a major challenge for me. And the, the thing is, it was only literally only um, diagnosed um, while I practiced medicine. And, um, but I, I, I suppose you know that, Simone, because mm -hmm. I was one that could never have fingernails. That was just like one of the greatest signs. Mm -hmm. I, I was always munching at my nails. Everything was always had me, you know, on the edge, so to speak. So I had my own internal, um, <laughs> internal battle dealing mm -hmm. with especially when it came to um, taking exams. Mm -hmm. So that was um, one of my biggest challenges. And uh, I got through it with, with college and with my master's degree and with the medical school. And, you know, I thank God for that. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it really was quite a challenge. It did a number on me until I, until I realized exactly what it was. And I realized how powerful the human mind is. And, um, if you're not too careful, the, you know, the, the ultimate effect you can even have on yourself. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it still continues. I wouldn't say it is a, a disorder to the point where I'm non-functional. I'm very functional, mm -hmm. but I have learned over the years how to manage a lot of my anxieties. And I'm still not even perfect at it. It is a, a daily lesson. Mm -hmm. um, simple things, the simplest of things, actually I have to sometimes talk myself out of. Mm -hmm. um, the simplest thoughts I have to control when I'm in a group that I am not comfortable with, I have to do a lot of um, behavioral techniques to actually exist in that group and contribute a lot of breathing techniques a lot of self you know you know speaking to myself obviously that's my internal thoughts and it's been a challenge and um at one point medication was even considered as a possibility but luckily i have been able to to do it with behavioral modification mm -hmm. and um when I look back at all of the years of, of my education and, you know, have been in childhood groups, et cetera, I realized that it did have an effect then. And um, it has allowed me to appreciate the fragility of our mental health. And uh, it has added to my passion and my love of mental health. Mm -hmm. because I remember once being told by a, a very, very good friend of mine who is a psychiatrist that if we don't take care of them, who will? And that is so true. Mm -hmm. And the number of young females, probably even young males that probably battle with what I was battling with without any true guidance, um, I hope and I wish that ultimately one day I can share my experiences with them and probably help somebody else. So I will always say that has been my greatest challenge. Mm -hmm. It is so funny, Simone, because obviously, you know, Dale, my brother. Yes. And Dale would say to me, you know, I think you have a problem. You know, you have a problem. You need to find out what that is. And <laughs> that was a long time ago before I even identified it myself. Mm -hmm. So it's so funny that like, you know, he could have zoned into that, but, um, you know, it is, it's just something that you just have. It's just part of me. It's something that I embrace and something that I learn to deal with. And every day I, I try to deal with it a little bit better. Some days I'm good at it. Some days I'm not. And of course it played a role in my managerial role mm -hmm. as, um, the acting director of primary healthcare. But, um, luckily I was able to. I was able to handle it, Simone. It yes, yes. And you, know, and you know, thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're because welcome. I think, unfortunately, in the Caribbean, mental health, mm -hmm. there's still a lot of stigma mm -hmm. and misinformation surrounding mental health. Right. And you know, mine may not have been as severe of yours, but I too suffer with anxiety. 
to the point where, yes, to the point Mm -hmm. where, and it's gotten a lot better now because like you said, managing it with behavioral, um, uh, therapies and techniques for me, Mm -hmm. working out, eating healthy, getting rest was a lot. And you know, I want us to have that conversation. Um, we should. we need to have this conversation. So I'm mm. happy that you have been so candid with us because mm. unfortunately there's a lot of stigma that mm. still surrounds mental health. And I'm happy that we have um, Wilhelmina Adrian on the line. You will know her well. <laughs> That's my auntie. That's Hi, your auntie. auntie. Hey, Auntie Will. And she says mental health is something that is still taboo, Mm -hmm. especially in Dominica. But the more we speak about it, the more comfortable talking about it becomes. Happy to know you feel comfortable speaking about it. So this is a conversation that we need to have separate from this. So mm-hmm. I'm very happy that you brought it up. And one of the things that helped me a lot is to sing that song. And today I still sing that song, One Day at a Time, Sweet Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I sing that song all the time because it actually helps you to calm down. That's correct. And that the racing thoughts. Mm-hmm. So what not I knowing what do, comes next. What I would do is just like literally call on his name. I would just fight yes. Jesus, Jesus, and tell myself there is power in his name. So it's it's pretty much I was you see, we're so rooted in religion mm-hmm. in the Caribbean. So mm-hmm. I think at our age we have recognized the strength of it and yes. um the importance of it. So mm-hmm. Yes, it has helped me as well to call on his name, just as, just as it has helped you to sing a song mm-hmm. with his name. Yes. And, you know, ultimately, maybe this is, um, you know, it is also a form of therapy. So, yes. yeah. And to be very honest, Simon, um, in, in, as a clinician, I was able to recognize a number of females. It, it is very, very common, you know, in the Caribbean, mental mm-hmm. health issues a number of females battle with this mm-hmm. and they don't know who to talk to. They themselves have stigmatized the psychiatrists on the island, so they are not that open with them. And um, you'd be amazing when you just sit and talk with someone who feels, um, you know, they, they have nothing to lose. They they don't. You're not a stranger per se, but you're non non judgmental, mm-hmm. and they can literally open up and let you know what they're going through, and you will help. And um, so that is what ultimately I would like to do for persons. I know this is another yes. show and it is truly yes. another show. But this because, is important. So I want you to talk about it. This is important. So let's talk yes, about it for yes. a minute. Correct. Because there, because the, the thing about it is, and and I have, the, the strangest thing is, I have found this ever so prevalent in young females, beautiful young females with a lot of potential, you understand, who have confidence issues, who have... Um, who are battling with with different challenges. And um, they all just want someone that can understand them and direct them or redirect them to where they can truly find help. And I've had a lot of females come back to me, a lot of young females, even young men come back and thank me, um, married women, um, because anxieties can also stress your marriage. If yes. you're if yes. you're not careful, because mm-hmm. the things that you as a married woman would mm-hmm. worry about, mm-hmm. some other woman may find no problem with it. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. And um, men are to me, men are very simple. They are truly yeah. very simple. Okay, you know what I, I mean. I try not to use that word gilda, but it's true. <laughs> they're not they're not as complex. They, they try mm-hmm. not to make them too complex. We understand mm-hmm. them. This is what it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the nagging and the constant bickering and the fighting, it is not something that they embrace, truly. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a good man. It is not something that a good man embraces. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that a woman who is battling with anxiety can find herself doing on a regular basis for no reason whatsoever. No, so, let me let me ask you this, Doc, because this is a very important conversation. So we have to talk about COVID at some point, but let's have this conversation for a little bit. Now, sure. did you find, because this the, this was also my experience, and like you, I've, I've been doing a lot better because I figured out ways to, to handle it. But did you, did you find that it makes you very irritable? Because very. here you are, you mm-hmm. have a million thoughts going on in your mind because you don't know what's going to come next. You're very anxious mm-hmm. and everybody needs you. Your family exactly. needs you, your husband needs you your kids need you so they're trying to talk to you and now you have a headache because you have racing thoughts and you have people mm. speaking in your ears so did it make you um so, an irritable so this, person well, like you did is, to me 
this is so um it's refreshing to have this conversation with you because exactly what you're speaking of is what i have been through okay mm -hmm. so what i had no choice but to do was include him in it mm -hmm. and explain to him what goes on yes. with him. you understand and that is the yes. only way I think it did a lot in terms of yes. him understanding me and who mm -hmm. I am and accepting me for whom I am or for yes. who I am. And um, it has seriously helped. And thank God that I have a husband who is not like, um, he's not going to go head on with me. You understand? Mm -hmm. He knows when to to back off. Because if, 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 if as a woman of anxiety, you, you know, you don't, Honestly, pick your partner wisely. Mm -hmm. You can have a very tumultuous relationship. Mm -hmm. You understand? Very. I hope I use the correct word, but it could be, yes. it could it could be seriously uh, challenging. Mm -hmm. So when you you know when you when you get married, you don't honestly sit down and say, "I'm gonna choose him because he fits all of these criteria." But you have to understand yourself, and I think mm -hmm. that helped me as a mature bride. I understood mm -hmm. me and. I love him very much. Don't get me wrong. And I understood him and I knew he was like the perfect fit. No, I, he's blushing somewhere in this house, but I'm not making up any stories here. This right, is right. all truth. But, so, but Doc, let me, let me say this to you because 30 years of friendship, and this is the first time we're having this conversation. So I'm so mm -hmm. happy that we're having this conversation. Yeah. And it is so true what you said, because I did the same thing too with Paul. Imagine so that. it got to the point where I was getting the sense that he thought I was a bad person and I'm all about, you know, saving my marriage. So I had that conversation with him that mm -hmm. I suffer from anxiety and what we've decided. And, you know, the good thing about it is as you practice this technique, sometimes you learn to cope a little bit better. So mm -hmm. sometimes you end up using your, your therapies a little bit less. So mm -hmm. it would get to the point, you know, like I mentioned, having the headaches mm -hmm. where I would have to say to him, you know, I just need a time out. Yeah. I, I, I have to go in a dark room. Mm -hmm. and I understand, take a time I understand yeah. there's several conversations going on in your head and a lot of mm -hmm. the conversations you're having with yourself yes. you know am I it's, it, it's all about you do, mm -hmm. do I you know all these crazy questions am I enough am I good enough oh what's gonna God. happen next am I a good enough mother I heard you Wife. say on your show the last time with um with your guest Miss Dupini that you had a problem with your voice. Yes. I never knew. Yes. <laughs> I never liked my voice. Now look what oh I do. Oh my God, imagine that. You understand? Mm -hmm. so, um, and I never knew that. Mm -hmm. You understand? And that is just, I mean, it's. I've never thought to myself, oh my God, Simon has the worst voice ever or a really weird voice. See, oh, I have never. And this is something you are thinking in your mind that yes. this is wrong with your voice. So, so we for have me, so, mm -hmm. for me, it was my height. It yes. was my, oh my God. So Simon, many insecurities and i think that's why i i probably was just so close to gina too because you know gina is just so non-judgmental just so yeah. relaxed and and if anybody's anybody's wondering we're speaking of our you know our next bff gina later daughter of uh, norman later and we can't forget uh dr tabitha andre that runs us up to four that's right and you know it's always been tabitha to me, i told tabitha once you always just know the correct thing to say the right things to say and mm -hmm. i admire that about you and she, mm -hmm. she she was she was shocked but it's so true like yeah. you know she just she tries not to be confrontational mm -hmm. so but i think they're blessed because they don't have to go through what goes on in my mind or or yours now that i'm knowing about it because it takes away from you it yeah. kind of makes you not even want to to be in a crowd to have yes. to deal with it you know you mm -hmm. prefer to be on your own and mm -hmm. deal with it on your own by yourself and that is so not healthy that is no, that is not. what problem lies mm -hmm. so, so i'm proud of you for doing what you do simone thank you know you. Because, thank you yeah because and, and i'm really happy we had this conversation oh my god we used 24 minutes of your that, time that's okay we have all night this is our stress zone we come and we we yeah. chill out and relax and enjoy good conversation so if anyone is just joining us we're speaking to dr gilda nesty tang out of dominica and we're just kind of exploring our friendship for the last 30 years that the things that we share in common mm -hmm. which is really battling anxiety for many many years and right. we're, I'm so happy we're having this conversation and I am hoping that we will have a program where yes. we can talk some more about anxiety, especially as it relates, as mm -hmm. Dr. Nasty was mentioning, relates to young women. 
-hmm. in Dominica who have um, severe anxiety. And I'm so happy that they have you, Doc, that they're able to open up with you, Mm -hmm. that they feel comfortable to open up um, to you, even if they don't feel comfortable opening up to the psychiatrist. It's important to have someone that they can speak with on the topic. Correct, correct. Yes, yes. I'm looking forward to having that conversation with you. We, need to, we might just save someone, you know, out there. Yes. So because it's it's a very um it's it's a it's one of those conversations that need to be had because yes. it's so oftentimes just you know kind of like compartmentalized or mm-hmm. you know swept under the carpet, but it needs to be dealt with, you know. Yes. So yes. Yeah, we can do Absolutely. that, Simone. That that would be nice. Yes, I'm looking forward to having this conversation. So now let's talk about COVID-19 in Dominica. So Mm -hmm. let's just start from where we are right now. What is the current situation with uh, COVID-19 in Dominica? Okay, well, um, right now, as of um, the last dashboard, that's March 29th, um, we have had a total of uh, let me just speak of the active cases, because if I speak of the total number of cases we have first, then oftentimes I get persons saying, oh, my God. But at present, we only have seven active cases on the island, which is a great thing. Yes. So, yeah, so we've done a very good job at containment and um, and management. So we have only seven active cases admitted right now being managed at the COVID hospital. We have had a total of 164 confirmed cases, however, on our small island. And uh, most of these cases are imported cases, whether um, legally or through our, you know, what we call the backdoor, backdoor. quote unquote, illegal entry. Um, we have had 157 recovered so far. And um, Simone, you know, the, the the battle continues. We have mm-hmm. not dropped our guard. We've continued with the very same protocols that we've established since July 20th, um, 2020. And it's rigid. It's 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 sometimes even looked looked upon as a bit draconian, but it has worked for Dominica. And um Right now, with the number of persons vaccinated on the island, unfortunately, we are unable to lighten our protocol measures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So thank you for sharing that. So I think um, we will come back to that in a minute. But sure. I wanted to talk to you about um, your assignment to the position of Acting Director of Primary um, Healthcare in Dominica. So just tell us how that came about, how you got picked uh, to pretty much head up the operation for the pandemic in Dominica. And as someone who suffers from anxiety, I can only imagine your initial reaction. <laughs> oh my goodness. This was, I was like, what is this for <laughs> This was, oh, Simon, this came from left field. It came from left field because the um, the actual director of primary health care, she herself was reassigned to the, being the coordinator of border um, control. And um, on the 20th of July of last uh, year, was it the 20th or somewhere around there? I was just basically told that um, Dr. Nesty, um, the the director is not available, and so we need you to act in the position of um, director of primary healthcare. Um, of course, the whole idea of um, an acting assignment is something that uh, requires cabinet review approval and 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 you know um, approval also by the the president, etc. So in the interim, I was called the officer in charge. Now that was supposed to have been from July to September 2nd and was prolonged up until February 12th of this year. So what was supposed to have been just a couple of weeks, you know, holding on, ended up being six months, about six months in the position. So what was, what, what was the scope of your responsibility? Oh my God. Um, one of my, the, the scope of my responsibilities to answer your question was far and wide. Immense. Far and wide. Immense. Primary health care is such that um, basically you are expected to do what it takes at um, the, the level of the community so that you can reduce admission rate, um, reduce death, etc., and reduce the patient population in secondary healthcare, which is the hospital. Mm-hmm. But um, in my role, one of my 
main responsibilities was that of heading the contact tracing team. Mm. Now, in the beginning, I will say that this was my greatest challenge because I went into this with the objective to identify every case, to contain every case, to continue to contribute to the zero um, death rate, um, the zero zero percent death rate that we had, and to ensure that never again would our borders be closed or would there be some curfew initiated in Dominica? And, and that was particularly important to me because in March of 2020, when we had our first case from the United Kingdom, when the cases arrived at case number 18, we locked down the country and um, the, the curfews were, were implemented and all students were asked to basically do um, homeschooling, online learning. Now, in my capacity as a, as a clinician in primary health care, and also my husband's role, we were not parents that could stay home with our children. That is true. I didn't <laughs> think about that. That is So true. I had three boys at home with unsupervised um, online learning going on. My nanny, she's Haitian, God bless her heart. Very good nanny. But you can imagine there is a communication The limitations, the limitations. So, yes, yes, yes. So um, my eldest took basically a semester off. That is the way I look at it. A very expensive semester off because you still had to pay the very expensive tuition. Yes. My middle son, he, I mean, he, 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 he did a comeback. I knew, I knew my son was capable, but any child that you live at home, he's a device maniac. He is a computer. He's just... Yes into computers so yeah. you leave him up leave him at home to do online learning with what he loves and it is very easy for any child like him to be distracted and this is what yeah. happened Absolutely. my middle my middle son had to oftentimes log on the last my last child as well as do his lessons i remember being deployed into various communities throughout the island and having to find reception to call and wow. while i'm calling looking on my phone and saying okay well you have spanish at 11 you have french at this time make sure your youngest brother is on his phonics class and then sometimes not even having any reception Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what is going on in my home. Yes, <laughs> I can it was, imagine. It was, it was that. So this, this was one of my um, main driving factors when I got into that role to succeed because yes. I did not want my children or any other child. No, no, I'm speaking of my, my children, but there were a number of other children throughout the island that did not have the, um, you know, they did not have the privileges of having a laptop or let's say a tablet to do online learning. So just were basically not in school. They were just not enrolled. School is very, very critical on this island. It's critical for a number of reasons. We know our kids are safe, number one. Number two, they're learning. You understand? They, they're, not, they're not home where they're distracted and possibly even um, engaging in activities that we would prefer to protect them protect them from. So mm -hmm. this I, I will always say that this was one of my major, major propelling factors to ensure that the kids remained Went back to school. That I would succeed at, you know, controlling this pandemic to the best way I could. Because when um, it's not only the adults that suffer, the children suffer even more. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know what it's like for your daughter with quarantine, but the short period that they were quarantined at home away from their friends, it was like torture for them. Yes, and it was. We have yard. We have like about yes. we have enough room for the kids mm -hmm. to run outside. We mm -hmm. even went as far as buying a huge pool. I think I showed you some pictures. Yes, we, we saw the pictures. Yes. We tried mm -hmm. everything, but it's just not the same. The it's kids not. want to be among their peers. They want to mm -hmm. be in an environment of learning where they can discuss with their friends. And, you know, they just want normalcy. So mm -hmm. we had to do what we could. And I ensured I did everything I could to ensure that normalcy remained. So, so, so I, so, so yes. So, um, so you would you would travel to the various districts and what were you doing disseminating information about the protocols is that what no, your travels no, entail no. the communication techniques that we used um mm -hmm. were not um disseminated that particular way we would use the, the the you know the various media 
the radio stations, et cetera, Facebook, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know, you know, social media, et cetera, to actually ensure that the protocols and what is needed and press briefings, um, mm-hmm. press briefings and, um, um, well, well, mostly press briefings to let the, the nation know of the protocol, mm-hmm. what is expected of them. So, um, whistle stops and, you know, going from community to community, we wouldn't necessarily engage in that. What we would mm-hmm. do is give short teachings at the health centers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the patients would come to the health centers because we still allowed the health centers to continue operation, except mm-hmm. that we implemented this, you know, the scheduling because, you know, primary healthcare is supposed to be free and free healthcare for all. You're supposed right. to just walk in and get primary healthcare, but we had no choice but to implement, you know, um, um, appointments, the appointment mm-hmm. system, and um, only a certain number of patients at a time so that we could maintain the social distancing, et cetera, mm-hmm. and promote the guidelines of the Ministry of Health. So, mm-hmm. so, so, so in the beginning, Simon, before I was assigned to the role of director, I was being deployed all over the island. So I, I was on the ground. I was a foot soldier. The actual technical minds at the back that would generate the list of individuals we would have to go out and target and test, etc. That was not me. All I had to do was wait to hear where I'm being deployed to, who are the persons that I need to test, okay? Get on that bus and we would navigate the island in a, in a non-air-conditioned bus, hot sun, looking for all who has been in contact with whoever the contact was mm-hmm. and um and do our job mm-hmm. so that. then after being assigned to the um position of director then i became now the head of that of that contact tracing team mm-hmm. so and 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 funny enough that contact tracing team the the technical minds behind it was just a, a, a total of four individuals wow. myself yes myself a senior community health nurse um, nurse Liz, uh, Dr. John, she's the chief dental officer and um, Mr. Lester guy, he was the, he's the coordinator of the HIV unit. And with every case, because we came in at case number 18 and I believe I left off um, when I was allowed to go on leave after being very, very, you know, spent, tired. Mm-hmm. I left off at case number 136 or 140. And I, I came in at case number 18, basically. Wow. So that's quite a few cases mm-hmm. that we had to um, ensure were always contained in the COVID isolation unit for proper mm-hmm. management. Now, not every one of these cases in between required extensive contact tracing. Um, some of them, we, because of the guidelines and the protocols that we established with the technical committee and the border control task force, they were quarantined from the time they got on the island. And once, you know, we did our, what we call a five day PCR, we were able to identify them. So, um, they were able to be contained at the COVID isolation unit, but those cases, um, in the communities from the back door, uh, those cases that at one point or another, maybe um, they got out into the community. I mean, errors do happen. We had contact trace. No, um, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, Doc, we have a very active audience who are viewing this program on Facebook Live, and we, we absolutely appreciate them for being here. And we encourage them to share the live and share this information that we are presenting today. But one particular uh, question jumped out at me. And of course, if I'm missing your question, I am completely engaged with Dr. Nesty right now. So do forgive me. I'll try to catch as many of the questions as possible. But Dave Bertrand asked, what measures are in place to prevent people from walking out of the quarantine centers? Okay. So that's a very good question. Yes, I think so too. Yes. And um, I'm going to try to do my best to answer this question. Mm -hmm. Every quarantine facility, Simone, that is granted the um, license to be a safe in nature property or a quarantine facility, they have to agree upon having on-site security. Mm. that persons who are at the safe in nature property, we call it safe in nature properties or quarantine facilities, it's the same thing, do not leave the compound. Now, it's a certain level of trust that you you give to a to a property. Um, it's a- <laughs> That's okay. 
I've had that happen too, where the little one pokes their head into the camera. <laughs> it's a certain level of trust that you give to the property and you, and you kind of like hold your breath and uh, um, wish that they, they actually, actually implement. And there are penalties if you don't. You can lose your certification, mm -hmm. etc. And you know, right now with the um, with our weakened tourism industry, the importance of allowing different hotels to be certified as safe in nature properties allows for these hoteliers to continue have some, you know, to make some money. Mm -hmm. So. To lose your certification is a very big deal for a hotel a hotelier or proprietor who has a safe in nature property. So it is expected that they have um, that they have security measures in place. Now that was in the very beginning, and uh, obviously that didn't work. A number of persons would still leave the property and venture outwards, and we would get reports of this person was supposed to be in quarantine and they're seen at X, Y, and Z. I have had my share of having to send um, the the police or the uh, and it's not a nice thing eh, to send the police yeah. who is supposed to be in quarantine but they're not in quarantine. Um, I have been I have even I've been called names for doing for doing that, but. I have, I have no choice because on our island, persons are very carefree and very innocent, okay? Um, I don't know if it's because we've had a zero death rate, but um, we cannot quite get the Dominican um, population or the, the, you know, the, the gross majority to, to respect the protocols. There, there's penalties in place, there's charges in place, there's all of these things in place and we still have persons dropping their guards significantly. We have then we have moved on from just ex, from just relying on the security of the proprietors to the presence of wristbands and also elect not just the wristbands that um, would say safe in nature the plastic ones electronic wristbands so that you know you would be somewhat in a uh, um, electric e electronic gated environment mm -hmm. so to speak you know um they're they electronic wristbands so all of that has now been implemented and um the success of that we are seeing but we are still not 100 percent able to say that when someone is in quarantine we can guarantee you that if it's in a safe in nature property they respect the quarantine measures but we are doing everything we can at the level of the ministry of health at the level of the um the police department etc to try to to do so but we, we we get most of our problems from from nationals returning to dominica interesting so, yes um Mm -hmm. It's very interesting because once they arrive on island, um, it's, it's the strangest thing. They, I guess, I can understand they're home and they want, yes, and they want to go home, and they want their freedom. And um, persons that probably had accents for days in countries that they they reside in come to Dominica, and all of a sudden they pull out the Creole and they're starting to <laughs> when they're ready to see how they pick Creole, right? <laughs> Oh my goodness, and they want to leave, and oh, it's, we've had many battles, but um, yes, yes, that answers you are your question. To so, untapped yes, potential with Dr. Simone. If you live in Canada, the US, and the UK, and are looking for Dominica products, including cocoa sticks, bay rum, coffee, soaps, crafts, and other popular Dominica items, then look no further. You can now shop on buydominicaonline.com, a secure, easy-to-navigate website selling a wide variety of Dominica-made and Dominica-inspired products. When you shop on buydominicaonline.com, you are helping to grow Dominica's economy. Go to buydominicaonline.com and enjoy home away from home. Again, this was a Facebook Live interview that I did with Dr. Gilda Nasty Tang, and she was supposed to be talking about COVID-19, but I was so happy that she took some time off to just bring awareness to the need to talk about mental health uh, more, especially in our, in our African American and our Caribbean communities. So again, stay tuned next week because I will be bringing you the second 
half of that interview with Dr. Gilda Nesty Tongue. And you know, today I wanted us to continue exploring mental health awareness just a little bit more. So I found this interview that actress Taraji P. Henson did with Dr. Oz on the importance of mental health awareness. So if you're not sure who Mr. Raji P. Henson is, she is a superstar in her own right in Hollywood, and she has starred in movies such as No Good Deed with Idris Elba, which happens to be one of my favorite movies. So if you're looking for a great thriller, to enjoy maybe this weekend, you can check out Taraji P. Henson's movie, No Good Deed with Idris Elba, and I promise you, it's going to keep you at the edge of your seat. So she took some time to join Dr. Oz to talk about the importance of mental health, especially in the African-American communities, and I think it relates very well to what we experience growing up in the Caribbean, where we do not openly talk about issues such as anxiety and depression. And I certainly like the way that she framed the information. So take a listen to actress Taraji P. Henson as she discusses the importance of mental health as it relates to the African-American community. And then stay tuned as we wind up the program for this evening. Taraji P. Henson. So, can I ask you about the work you've done around mental health? Yes. The stigma around mental health mm -hmm. is, uh, is really hurting this country. It is. And not enough people speak out about it, which is why I treasure you being here. Mm -hmm. What got this issue on your radar screen? Why is it important to you? Well, it's important to me because, um, actually, I founded the, um, my foundation, the Boris Lawrence Henson Foundation, named after my father, um, out of necessity. I suffered a trauma. Um, there he is. Hi, Daddy. I miss you. <laughs> I suffered um, trauma in my life, and so did my son. And when it came time for us to sit down and talk about it and get some help, it, it became an issue because you have to be culturally competent in order, for, in order for me to feel safe sharing my deepest secrets and what my fears and, and you know, being vulnerable. So when it came time to look for um, a therapist that looked like me, there were none. It was like looking for a unicorn. Like, right. I mean, I'm not saying they don't exist, but it wasn't easy, easily accessible. So I discussed it with my best friend who also had her bouts with um, um, anxiety. And so we decided to do something about it. And I think in the African-American community, it's been such a taboo. We really don't take care of, of our mental. We don't, and we should. Um, we suppress a lot. You know, and it comes off as, and when we do express ourselves, it comes off as rage. Well, we have a lot to be upset about, right? But, and not to shun those feelings, but they need to be um, channeled or they need to be expressed in a healthy way. And what I found disturbing is that we can talk about our thyroid, I can sit up here and talk about my gastritis, but when it comes to our mental, which is all a part of, of total health care, we miss that beat. And that's because for so many, for so long, we've been told to pray our problems away. Um, we've been demonized. Um, uh, we've been misdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of trust issues. So I decided to do something about it. And I think the misconception uh, with celebrities and people that you look up to on and film and move and television is that we got it somehow we got it all together just because we have money. Well, money doesn't make your issues go away. Because when they yell cut on set and I take this wig off and these lashes, he looked at my hair like that's a wig. Yep. <laughs> but when the, you know when the when the you know Taraji and the limelight comes off, I go home to real problems just like everybody else that money can't solve. You know? Why'd you name it after your dad? Because my father was a Vietnam vet and he suffered from his own mental issues and he was very vocal about it. That, that was important. It made an impression on me, you know? Because then I would hang out with my white friends and they would be like, I'd be like, girl, let's do lunch at 11. Oh, no, I have my standing appointment with my therapist. And I was like, I want a standing appointment with a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I need one. <laughs> I need one of those. You touched on something that's so important. Yeah. You know, the anxieties we all feel, I always wonder, why are we all completely paralyzed by fear, anxiety, mm -hmm. self-talk, all the stuff that happens? 
I think you're more connected to that than a lot of us. Mm -hmm. How does that affect you? I mean, I think I, I have to deal with a lot of my things when I'm um, preparing to portray a character. If I'm lying to the girl in the mirror, then how can I tell this character's truth? So I can't miss those beats in my life. So acting to me has become very therapeutic. Not to say that I don't need a therapist, because I do need a professional, but, you know, I need to speak to a professional, but I'm just very aware of who I am because this is my instrument, so I have to be, you know? Oh, why do you think... And I, again, I, I respect your honesty about this, and I suspect in some ways acting is therapeutic for you because it mm -hmm. forces you to confront some yes, of those demons. Yes, absolutely. What needs to happen for, in the African-American community? For, what needs to happen? Yeah, for, for folks to embrace us more. We need to start talking about it more. I think, I, and what I'm, I'm seeing activity just by me launching and being come, going public with the launch of my foundation, I'm starting to see chitter-chatter and people actually talking about it because you put a face to it. Because if, if, I feel like my fans pretty much, you guys trust me, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah, they do. Right, they trust me. And I think when you see someone that you trust and you've looked up to for so long say, hey, it's okay, I'm suffering too, then it makes it go, oh, it's like a sigh of relief, like I'm not the only one. Yeah. I mean... That's right, no, you're right. So when we ask our audience, and we do this, guys, we ask you a lot of times, to, the, re the reason we do these surveys, and they're, they're pretty professionally done, is to find out what's bothering America. The biggest epidemic we have right now is loneliness. Mm -hmm. People just don't feel connected, and yeah. so they don't have the usual tactics, like talking to your mom right. or a best friend or a group of people that you hang with. Mm -hmm. So what's a tactic that you use personally to get past it? I get through your day. I mean, you know, I make sure I keep in touch with my friends, and I have such a great core of friends that check on me. So um, it's all about the people you have around you, too. You know, um, get off the Internet. Get off the social media. Put the phones down. Reconnect with humanity again. <laughs> you know what? You're a beautiful person Thank on the outside so and on the inside. Oh, you're beautiful. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe to my channel so you don't miss anything. And remember to check back often to see you. So I could not agree more with Taraji as she stresses the need for us to pay attention to our own uh, mental health needs, uh, potentially even seeking out counseling if we know that we've experienced certain traumas in our life, certain difficulties that are holding us back. Because on this program, we talk a lot about goal setting and the importance of moving our lives forward. But unfortunately, if we do not deal with some of the issues that are holding us back, then it becomes virtually impossible to work on anything else. So, you know, on the internet, I see all these challenges, you know, uh, 30 push-ups every day challenge, sit-ups challenge, all sorts of challenges. But I challenge us today to look internally at any problems that we may be uh, experiencing right now and how we can seek out some help, whether it is reaching out to a member of your church, the leader of your church, whether it's re reaching out to someone that you trust, maybe reaching out to a mentor, a friend, a colleague that you can simply have a conversation with because you will be surprised in the line of work that I do where I do uh, goal setting and coaching with many of my clients, simply having the conversation usually does the trick. So I sit there and I listen and I watch as the light bulb turns on in people's mind as they realize that I did not have to provide them with the answer to their question. That simply by talking it out, they are able to figure out their solution to their problem. And maybe the person that you're speaking with may have experienced something similar to what you're going through and will be able to guide you and maybe provide you with some resources that you can tap into to help you. So this month, the month of May, let's make a special effort to be more aware of the mental health challenges that we may be experiencing. And if you're finding that department, then that is wonderful. And I hope that you will recognize the sign of mental health difficulty in someone in your family, in someone in your neighborhood, in someone at your job. And you're able to simply say to that person, if you need to talk, I am here for you. And just leave it at that. You don't have to pride. You don't have to 
you know, invade their privacy, but simply let them know that, you know, something seems a little bit different with you. And I just simply want you to know that I am here for you if you ever want to talk. So again, it's about being our brother's keeper, being our sister's keeper as we build and grow our community together. And speaking about growing our community, you know, our Facebook our community is growing very nicely. And we've had several great interviews that I cannot wait to bring you. So we mentioned the one about Colton T that I will bring you um, shortly. We also had a great interview with Q95 number one personality, Mr. Matt Matthias Peltier, who does an outstanding job with two of the the most popular programs on Q95. So he stopped by a couple of weeks ago to tell us all about how he became interested in broadcasting and the challenges he sees for the field uh, today and in the future. So I will be sharing that interview with you uh, shortly. And I encourage you to join us each and every Tuesday at 5.30 Eastern Time right here on TDN Radio for Untapped Potential as we get powered up for the week every week. And as always, it is great being here with you and I look forward to our time um, each and every week. So again, this is the end of the program. We are happy that you were able to join us. I hope you found value in the information that you shared and I hope that you will remain positive, you will remain active and you will remain um, engaged. So until we meet again next time, same same next week, same time, same place. Uh, remember that your life story is your strength. Remember to tap into your potential and remember to keep working on those goals. Keep working on your aspirations. Don't be deterred. Uh, don't let the naysayers get into your mind. You have been put in this world for a purpose and that purpose is what you should be pursuing. So again, I am Dr. Simone Matthew, and it has been wonderful being here with you for another episode of Untapped Potential. And I look forward to being within your to being in your company next week, 5:30 Eastern Time, right here on TDN Radio.